This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, United decide Jack Ross is the boss, and Dundee fans are all in the Bobby Cox. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street. There's no Tom Duffy this week. We've left him somewhere. I, I don't know where. Apparently he's chasing George Clooney around Italy. He's, he's been telling us on his holidays. So afraid you're stuck with me, George Cran, in the hot seat, asking the tough questions of Alan Temple, who's here with me. Not at all jealous of uh, Tam and sunning himself in Italy. But uh, yeah, I'd have delighted to be here. Well, I'll be off next week and I'll be sunning myself in Dumfries. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're all living the dream in your own <laughs> particular way. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and we're also joined by Graham Finnan to keep us right, as always. Hello, everyone. And I'm not chasing George Clooney, I'd like to say, <laughs> here now. You're very much the George Clooney of Lockheed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's obviously been a, a pretty big week. Does it, every week seems to be a big week on one side of the street. Um, this week, there's, there's only really one place we can start. And, and obviously that's with uh, Paul McGowan's hair transplant, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only story that matters. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Good on uh, him. It's I looking think, great. I, I think, it's, I think it's, he's done a good job on that one. We'll wait to see the flow and locks when the season begins. Uh, but no, we, we better start with what kind of a job Jack Ross might do at, at Tanadice because he's obviously been unveiled as Dundee United's new head coach on a two-year deal. Um, Alan, you were at the his unveiling, so I'll have to. I told you there's going to be some tough questions coming, so I'll have to start with how on earth he managed to pull off a, an unveiling in shorts. Yes, it's kind of unacceptable that, that Jack Ross can wear a blazer and shirt combination with shorts and still look so much more suave than anyone else <laughs> no. in attendance at that press conference. If you can, you know, if you can pull off any look, then just uh, go for it. But no, he was, um, uh, sartorial elegance aside, he was uh, very impressive uh, at the unveiling at the Fairmont Hotel in, in St. Andrews. And uh, as anyone that's listened to a Jack Ross interview or watched him on, you know, do punditry on TV or anything, will we'll know he's a very eloquent guy, very thoughtful, and most of all, really determined to, I wouldn't say prove anyone wrong after or leaving Hibs. He did a very good job at, at Hibs, barring the, the poor start to last season, but clearly hungry to succeed at Dundee United, sees it as a good opportunity, as I wrote last week. I think this is the the biggest job Jack Ross could realistically get in Scottish football. Um, he's not going to be the Hearts manager anytime soon. Being the Hibs manager, close to getting the Aberdeen post before getting beat out by Jim Goodwin, and he's not going to be Rangers or Celtic manager. So this is a wonderful opportunity for him uh, to to, to kickstart his, his own career and build on the really good work Dundee United did last season. And I know everyone at Dundee United is delighted to to get this over the line and you could certainly sense the enthusiasm from him to, to get started and uh, and get on with this job and it is a case of getting on with it because it's a there's a lot to be done in a short period of time um, there's a lot of squad rebuilding to be done reinforcements to be added contracts to be discussed so um, no rest for the wicked and uh, it'll be a we've now had our, our nice sound bites we've had our interviews and it's now a case of getting on with the job mm. and he was saying I think it was in the DUTV stuff about improving United's attacking 
side of things. But what did you pick out of his, his interviews with, with the press yesterday? What was the, the big takeaway? That was certainly, I thought it was interesting that one of the, you know, he was very magnanimous about his previous jobs that he's did, but he did say the one thing that had irked him, and he did use that word irked, which I, I did like, I don't often get a manager pulling out irked uh, anytime soon, but about the criticism of his time at Hibs was that perhaps the football wasn't attacking enough, um, and I think that's a, he's fair enough to be slightly irritated by that because in the season that they finished third in the league they were comfortably third top scorers in the division he's got the best out of players like christian Deutsch, martin boyle kevin nisbet he's a, a coach that when things click i mean that's i could also mention guys like josh maja lewis morgan when things click he can manage a good attack inside so he's got a desire to do that at dundee united clearly um and i think the pedigree suggests that he he can do that you know there's there's ways to play beautiful artisan football and whether that's always been the case can be argued, I guess, but his teams score goals. Uh, you know, history suggests that Jack Ross teams do score goals and that's what we'll be looking to bring to Dundee United. Um, in terms of the other, you know, interesting points from the interview, I was fascinated to hear about, you know, his potential relationship with Tony Asker, uh, who was also spoke at the unveiling. It's two really strong-willed, experienced, opinionated, driven guys that will need to work together. And that's going to be a really fascinating and exciting dynamic for everyone involved. Um, Jack's going to come in with his own ideas on, uh, obviously, on things like, you know, team selection, who should be promoted, you know, who's which young players are ready for a chance, all that sort of thing. But also on recruitment, he'll be really forthright on recruitment. And his previous jobs, he's trusted other you know, he's trusted people that he's previously worked with. So I, I think there'll be targets for Dundee United that he's maybe previously worked with at the other clubs. And he'll have a strong opinion on who should come to the club. Um, so, and Tony Askar, similarly, background in recruitment, you know, he's really uh, clearly a sporting director, vital in that regard. So they'll be back and forth. They'll need to be collaborative. And it'll be, you know, really interesting to see how to big personalities work together but Jack was clear he was very keen to emphasize that he's going to be his own man and his you know his career his pedigree at clubs like Hibs and Sunderland perhaps gives him more weight mm. to uh, have confidence that he can be his own man and and uh, and be forthright in his opinions and his demands than perhaps a Mickey Mellon or a Tam Courts could have and it bear um maybe a difficult question for a Dundee fan after he Stepped away from the the chance to manage the Dark Blues uh, just a few weeks ago, but you think United have got a good one? I think he's a good manager. Um, I would have liked to have seen him at Danes, but obviously things didn't work out in in the talks, and that that can happen, George, mm -hmm. for for one reason or another. Um, but it quickly became apparent that when the United job came available, he was he was a man, and, and fair play, United. They wasted no time in actually getting the talks started. It took a wee, a wee while to get the thing actually over the line. It seemed to drag on a bit and, that, and there could have been various reasons for that. But yeah, um, as Alan says, they have got, uh, you know, a, a manager with a good pedigree. I've always found his teams to be quite attacking. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I, I mean, obviously fans over the course of a season get to know a team better and uh, they, will, they will see that and there will be criticism. That's, that, that's just part and parcel of the game. But any Jack Ross team that I've watched has, uh, hasn't been parking the bus very often so I think we can expect to see a bit more attacking flair from United this season that's what he's going to be tasked with um, I, I was interested to see you know, he's already highlighted the fact that they didn't score many goals last season but I don't think that's you know that's not purely down to bringing in 
decent strikers. I've got decent strikers at the club and, and Nicky Clark and Tony Wall. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it was, I think it was a lack of creativity, a mm. lack of, you know, attacking flair going forward, maybe in the wide areas, uh, obviously in the central areas as well, you'll have to look at. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that's probably more, more a case in getting, you know, an, another striker. And although, although it'll be interesting to see if he does that. I'm just wondering if, um, you know, obviously Tam Courts was tasked with bringing through a multitude of young players and he did that with great success. If that will still be the case with uh, with Jack Ross, I mean, he's obviously aware of the attacking and sort of the, the, the young talent that's at the club. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if, if he, he brings them through on such a regular basis mm. as, as Tam, Courts, Tam Courts did. But no, good to see it go over the line. I think it's a, it's a great appointment for United. I think the difficulty they do have is Tam Court set a high bar in terms of where they finished last season in yeah. fourth, um, you know, into European football as well, which is an exciting prospect in itself. But that's a very high bar. You're going to have, you've got to expect Aberdeen will improve this season. They're, 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 they're placing under uh, Jim Goodwin. You've got to expect Hibs to show signs of improvement as well. So it will, it will get, I think, uh, you know, even tougher next season to get that that slot, so that could be the thing that, that Jack Jack Ross uh, uh, may encounter a bit of criticism if he, if he can't get United up into that slot. But if the team are playing, this is this is where you strike a balance with the fans. If the team are playing more free flowing and attacking football and getting goals at Tannadice, mm. will the fans be willing to to have that to sacrifice the amount of points that actually got on board? <laughs> You know, so we'll wait and see how it goes. In terms of turning up uh, at the press conference in a pair of shorts and a jacket and tie, well, listen, where we've been in the last two years with COVID, we've all been on these Zoom calls sitting there with our bosses <laughs> with shirts on and a pair of pyjama bottoms. So I suppose, I suppose we all know the situation there. But now, good on him. Um, he, he, he has experience of the city, of course, in the past with Dundee. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's a good appointment, George. Mm. Was, was there much said about the, the youngsters and, and stuff? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I specifically kind of asked him regarding how comfortable he was with the club's very well-defined business plan of promoting young mm. players and looking to, first of all, get the best out of them for Dundee United and then look to make them lucrative assets. And, you know, put it this way, he's not going to come out and say, no, I'm going to rip that all that up and I'm not really interested in that plan. <laughs> that would just be silly. But he, he certainly did say all the right things in terms of uh, reflecting on his own experience of bringing through young players. Most recently, you would look at somebody like Josh Doig, who he plucked from a, a loan spell out at Queen's Park and gave him his chance in the Hibs first team and uh, believed in him and developed him. And you now look at a player that's perhaps a you know a three million four pound four million pound asset and has been linked with clubs in, in Serie A. You know previously to that, you've got guys like Stevie Marlin, you've got Lewis Morgan, Josh Maja. So you know there is a, a pedigree there of if you're good enough, Jack Ross will give you a chance and he will let you play. However, he's also, as we've, we've touched on before, he is a more experienced, um, kind of more wily manager. And I think he will be more willing to perhaps say, do you know what, listen, we can play a bunch of kids or we can win this next football match, you know, and, and perhaps uh, be more willing to put that, that point across. I think he will accept the realities of you can't always play kids in a situation where perhaps a more experienced outlook would be required. So there'll be a there'll be a balance there and I would expect more of a balance to be struck. And personally, I would like to see perhaps three or four young players 
become key players in a Jack Ross team rather than 16 Academy cameos. I, I get mm. that that was an exciting number. I get that they broke their record for the youngest ever senior appearance twice last season. Um, Craig Moore then Rory McLeod and that's all great for headlines it's all great for hype it's all great for the academy but fundamentally that's not what you're aiming to do anybody can throw a player on for a, a 10 minute substitute appearance what you want to do is get more Ross Grahams you want to get more uh, you know latterly uh, Archie Mikasons you pick who you know, I think and what I think Jack Ross will do is identify who are his top young prospects who are the people that can really kick on and be his next Josh Doig and really get the best out of them uh, and I think that's that's the way forward and I would be confident that that's the way he'll, he'll look at it and I'd be excited to see you know for example uh, if he can get the best out of a, a player like Archie Mikkelsen and really kick him on you know Ross Graham get him playing 30 games next season. And that's perhaps, a, a, you know, Kieran Freeman as well, could he really cement that right back spot? At the, I think that would be a more exciting way to develop youth than just um, repeated cameos and eye-catching mm. outings for, for 16 and 17 year olds. And you've got to think that bringing in a manager, the kind of calibre and CV of Jack Ross, they, they're going to back him and, and bringing in players of experienced players are ready to go in the, in the top six of Scottish football. I would have thought so. Yeah, I, I don't think you bring in a manager like Jack Ross and, and then tie his hands. You know, the thing we need to consider is Jack Ross has been very judicious about, as we well know in this podcast, very judicious about what job he takes. Um, so the discussions that he will have had with the hierarchy at Dundee United will have been I'm sure they would have been forthright and fiery and downright entertaining if we'd got to see them. You know, that is, you know, he's a, a man who will, will stand up and fight his corner. And I would fully expect he's come into this job with assurances that while he will be expected to do things like give the, the, the club's top young players a platform, he will also be backed. You know, he will, he will get certain key targets or at least have assurances that the club will attempt to get certain key targets that he's identified. And I think you're looking at about seven or eight new signings that Dundee United need. Really? So I, I, certainly, I mean, I'm kind of winging it off the top of my head, but I think you could argue that they need two goalkeepers, a number one and uh, someone to fulfill the role that Trevor Carson was to allow young Newman to go out on loan. Need a substitute left back if Scott McMahon's even your first choice. You need someone to replace Lewis Nielsen in the squad. You need a destroying midfielder. You need a creative midfielder. Uh, you need a winger and a centre forward. I wasn't even counting as I went there, but I think we're maybe. <laughs> hit, we're, I think we maybe hit the seven. whole new team. Oh, yeah. it, it, so that's yeah. uh, that's uh, and that's before that's kind of that's talking about players that would be in and about the first team. That's before we even talk about needing depth and needing to be able to mm -hmm. rotate because there were certain players in that Dundee United team last season that played a hell of a lot of football and had to keep going to the well, keep going to the well. So it's... Yeah, oh, Jack just, Ross isn't listening to this. He'd be sweating <laughs> at that prospect. Jack, Jack, yeah, Jack knows that. And he yeah. said yesterday that he actually said at one point that it is a bigger job than maybe he initially realised before he started having discussions and, and talking about it. So it is a really big job. And in terms of being backed, I don't think Jack Ross would have taken this job if he hadn't been yeah, told, so. listen, it's a big rebuilding job and we will back you. Obviously, Tony Asker was at, was at the press conference, not in shorts, I don't think, was he? No, he no. was uh, resplendent in, his, uh, in, a, in a finely cut suit, yeah. as you would expect from Big Tony. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's 
talking about Lewis Nielsen and his move to Hearts, and they're very confident. They're, they've got a case, is that? It's fascinating, and, isn't it? Yeah. Fascinating. It's both clubs privately and now to an extent publicly are so bullish over this the, the you know the the quotes coming from both clubs and statements and things have made it clear that they believe they've got a strong case but beyond that privately they are apps both clubs absolutely adamant that they are on the right which there's simply no other way around wow. other than to say whichever club is wrong is going to be left really red-faced in this situation you're either looking at a hearts team who are going to have to shell out six figures for a player that they hadn't budgeted to shell out six figures for, which, although Hearts are coming into a bit of money, is not an insubstantial cash loss. Or you're looking at Dundee United, who w would have blown a six-figure fee on a player they've spent nine years developing. So whichever of these clubs is in the wrong, and it will be decided by an SPFL tribunal, because it seems that talks have completely broken down in terms of coming to an amicable agreement on this, uh, whichever club, uh, that whichever way that SPFL tribunal goes, is going to be absolutely fascinating. And you know, it's a hard one for us to talk about too much in terms of certainty and in terms of which way it's going to go. Because if the clubs are so steadfast in their position and they've got they've got access to the recommend uh, the the requisite documentation and they've got their timelines in terms of what happened. We are not privy to, to everything in, in that regard. So if even they can't agree on <laughs> uh, what what occurred and what people are due, then then we certainly can't make an educated, informed judgment on that. But all we can say is both clubs are absolutely adamant and one of those clubs is going to be left quite embarrassed by the situation mm -hmm. when it all plays out. I think just before we move on, George, I think it's, it's disappointing because everybody in Scottish football will accept that Dundee United have developed Lewis Nielsen yeah. and as such... You know, should be entitled to a fee, and, and they should be entitled to a fee. Now, if they're denied that fee because of some sort of administrative error, we don't know. But as Alan says, we're not privy to exactly mm -hmm. what the problem is. You know, that that would stick in the throat a wee bit. But if the shoe is on other foot, you know, would United be doing the same thing? Which you know, they might, uh -huh. they might well be. But I just think it's it's one that the club it would have been nice to see the clubs getting their their heads together, going, okay, yeah, we've made an error here but we are still entitled to this and the other club going, well, okay, we'll, we'll give you this. It won't be as much as you would have got, Yeah. but it's better than going to a tribunal, surely. So I, I think yeah. we saw during the lockdown when, when the SPFL clubs were trying to come to agreements that yeah. <laughs> doesn't no. happen very often. <laughs> there's, also, there's also the footballing aspect of it, which is a real shame that Dundee United wanted to keep Lewis Nielsen. Yeah. He could have perhaps been a big yeah. part of things. Um, next season he was offered a new deal and I realise that he perhaps wants to go in, uh, out to pastures new and, and things like that but there's also a, a shame in the sense that having played 10 games last season and having been excellent in the, during the run-in for, for Dundee United latterly that he maybe didn't sign that new deal and, and really kick on for an, another campaign with Dundee United so as well as the financial vagaries of it all it's a shame in football in terms as well that he will now be trying you know uh, continuing his career with a, a premiership rival I guess that's a, another disappointing aspect to all this yeah we'll wait and see what what happens with the all the paperwork and stuff but another man has left Tanadice at the end of last season was Benjamin Seacrest he's finally Found a club after being linked with a, a few teams down south. Four-year contract at Celtic, but that's that's Good. quite quite a deal for him. Yeah, it is, and I, I'm delighted for him. I think it's it's um, I, as I said last week in last week's podcast. You know, I would have been disappointed to see him get lost in the lower leagues down in England. I think he's better than that. 
the big challenge he has now, he's got a big deal a big deal at Celtic, he's got a big con- a long contract at Celtic. Mm-hmm. Can he actually get the gloves? This is what we'll have to have to wait and see. He will be given opportunities by Ange Postacoglu, there's actually no doubt about that. But can he muscle his way in? Um, as we've seen in the past, we've seen goalkeepers go to the Celtic part and play very few mm. games. Well, Scott Payne's still there. I was just come on, <laughs> yeah. come on to Scott. And well, he's, he's he's increased his bank balance substantially. Has he, uh, you know, for himself any, any, yeah, any yeah. favours in terms of his goalkeeping prospects? Scott Payne is a possible Scotland goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, I think playing at his, his very best, um, but sitting in the reserves at Celtic Park is uh, doesn't do that any favours. And the same will happen to Seagrass, but a great opportunity for Benjamin Seagrass is a top, top, top goalkeeper. Um, but as we know, things will change. Uh, when, when he's at Celtic Park, you, it, things change when you're playing for a goalkeeper at the, at the top of the league. You know, you're not going to be getting pounded every week and mm. having to make save after save. It's going to be more a mental thing. He's going to have to keep his focus in games. He can't afford to make any mistakes. And especially if he's, if he's playing in, again, in old firm games. We've seen that in the past with goalkeepers um, in old firm games. They're crucified if they make any errors. Um, but no, a great opportunity for him. I think he has the ability to go and claim the gloves at, at Celtic Park. And I'm hoping he does because... Uh, uh, he's always had ambitions to get back into the, the national squad, the Swiss national squad. I think this gives him the opportunity to do that, especially if he can get some European games under his belt. Um, so he's deserved that. He, he's worked hard at Dundee United. He now needs to maintain the form that he showed at United and show that he has the, the mental strength to go on and be part of it. One, one of the countries, one of Europe's top clubs. Let's, let's be honest about it, you know, and the expectation that comes with that, you know, with the 50,000 fans at Celtic Park every week and the wider audience that he's going to be. Uh, under scrutiny of. It's an interesting point that, that Bear makes that it, it's now a completely different test of skills for, mm-hmm. for Benji, sorry, for Ben, as I believe Celtic now have us calling him. For for Ben Seagrist, uh, it's... Really? Yeah. During his... <laughs> during his uh, unveiling statement, they repeatedly called him Ben, which uh, was a new one. He changed his Instagram to Ben as well. As, I was uh, going to ask him his Instagram. Having, having deleted all yeah. of Dundee United content. <laughs> so it's a com- harsh. It's a, it's a complete... Uh, well, to continue a, a theme of last week, it's a complete uh, rebranding from the, the former Dundee United a, Was it clumsy negative space, was it? <laughs> well, there's a lot of clumsy negative space on his Instagram page now that he's deleted everything. But no, it's as Bear says, you know, it's not about making lots of saves and, um, be, you know, spectacular moments the way it was for, for Dundee United. It's not really about saving points when you're Celtic. He's going to be tested in a totally different way, including... Can he play out? That's going to be a really interesting one. We never really saw that at Dundee United. He was never really charged with starting attacks and and uh, and being a, a part of the the outfield play, if you like. And that's a big part of you know what Celtic fans will call Ange ball. You know, it's he needs to uh, be able to contribute to the play going forward and passing accuracy and breaking the lines and all that good stuff. And I'd be loath to say that. He's, he can't do that because none of us really know. Mm-hmm. He's never really yeah. played in a team up here that's been asked to do that. So that aspect will be fascinating and the mental aspect will be fascinating. And the one thing I think we could you know, probably all agree in the room is Benji will mentally back himself to be Celtic's number one. Very confident, very self-assured, very placid character. And if it comes down to having the mentality to be a Celtic number one, I really believe he has that. But... I'm really interested to see the other side of his skill set that mm. is required to be a Celtic goalkeeper because we know he can 
you know, save shots. Mm. But it's, it's, it's everything else now that he'll be tested on. Well, yeah, I actually thought last season that Celtic should have went from instead of going for Joe Hart, purely on a financial, obviously United wouldn't have wanted to lose him last last summer, but I, I, I felt he'd, he'd have been a better option. What's the situation Joe with Joe Hart? Is Joe Hart he's still contracted? He's contracted all, yeah. to Celtic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, I can imagine what sort of contact Joe Hart's got. It's I've, a I've bit got ridiculous, yeah. yeah. So um, I'll be interested to see if he can if he can outmuscle Joe Hart, and I, that's that's the thing as well. If Joe Hart's getting double the wage that, that Benji's on. Yeah. yeah. Regardless what the manager says, the the, uh, the head hegens at Celtic Park won't be Best happy having, having a goalkeeper on the bench. Yeah, He's yeah. earning a huge, huge salary. Yeah. Um, at the he was club. also he was also very good for Celtic he last was, season yes, as he well. Was. You know, he, was, he was actually better than I expected. Yeah. And where does it leave Scott Bain? Is this obviously Third this is choice, Scott, isn't it? Yeah, this is Scott. will be Scott's yeah. last season. You've got to think so. But no, we wish Benji Seagrist as he'll always be known in this podcast. <laughs> uh, all the best, although obviously not against his old team. Um, uh, just to finish up the United section, um, we're still waiting on Ian Harks, aren't we? His contract. Yes. According the, to Tam, it's still sl too slow. He's <laughs> writing. The, the, you know the the company line, if you will, is that there's still an absolute expectation that Ian Harks will sign a new deal. Well, it it's, did appear on their website very briefly. Yeah, that he had exactly. It, so so um, it's been verbally agreed. Harks, uh, Ian Harks has been out of the, the country so it's been a case of coming back and signing it Dundee United are back in training uh, as we record this, this is Thursday they're back in pre-season training today so um, we would expect that to accelerate but there's no getting away from the fact that until uh, pen's put to paper and it's announced um, <laughs> to stay <laughs> on the website this time um, there will still be that, that slight air of uncertainty and that slight twitchiness amongst yeah. United fans but hopefully by the time you listen to this um, it's perhaps uh, a done deal but yeah certainly the, the delay allied with that brief link to Morecambe earlier this week has certainly raised a few eyebrows and I think uh, it will calm down a lot of fans if yeah. uh, we can just get that one over the line because it's been verbally agreed for a wee while now uh, yeah, well, hopefully that might be done by the time people are, are listening to this. Elsewhere, United unveiled a new club crest, but we'll not really talk about that because it didn't really change very much, did it? I think, I think if you're looking at it, you know, to the untrained eye, it's exactly the same as it was before. <laughs> but for us uh, in newspapers, yeah, there have been subtle see, yeah. changes. The fonts have changed. They've, they've sharpened things up uh, a, a fair bit. I think it, it, looks, it looks good. I think the big problem we've got in the newspaper is we've got to change all the all old everything. crest crest. Yeah. We've got to update them to make sure we put the right <laughs> one in or we'll get pelters from the, from the club. <laughs> age, so. yeah. But anyway, we'll we'll move across to the other side of the street where it's, it's been a bit quieter than uh, Tannadice, but we'll talk about Dundee next. And yeah, there's been, obviously at Dens Park, there's a new manager chat already. That's all been done. Uh, Gary Bowyer's had his team in for pre-season training this week. Uh, first look at everybody. Um, stated on his unveiling that everyone was getting a clean slate, so there's been no, there's been very little transfer gossip or, or anything doing the rounds because I think they're quite clearly having a look at all their players, um, which is obviously the right the right way to go about it. And as we've spoke about in this podcast. The squad is in pretty decent shape for for the championship. Uh, a lot of them, obviously, won promotion just just over a year ago, um, and the ones they've added were playing in the Premiership last season. So, um, 
we're kind of looking elsewhere. Uh, but the big story, obviously, to come out of the restart of pre-season was Paul McGowan. And the story on our website did extremely well. <laughs> it's what the people want. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> None of this football chat. It's all about getting oh, your hair done in yeah. Turkey. So Jack Ross, <laughs> Gary Boyer, <laughs> Romelu Lukaku yeah. means nothing. Exactly. Paul McGowan's Paul McGowan's got a new hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it looks good. I have to say, um, I, I had heard that he'd uh, planned to go a, f- a few years ago, but the pandemic obviously put pace to travelling across to Turkey to get it sorted. Um, but I, I think it all comes from a lot of love from Dundee fans. I think uh, so. In, yeah, I'd be interested to see what as we're saying about Gary Boyer taking a look at his team Paul McGowan's been a player that consistently under different managers has been kind of written off and then suddenly they realise how good he is and he gets back in the team are you expe- Bear are you expecting to see a lot of Paul McGowan in, in the new team I think season? so well at this point in time and a lot of a lot of new hair as well yeah well that'll yeah. be interesting if he, if, he, <laughs> if he comes out with a big curly afro right at the start of the season <laughs> um, but fair play to him, he's gone public with it. And he, yeah. I, think, I think he can. He, he's he thick-skinned enough to take a bit of stick, Paul McGowan. He dishes uh, it out, but he's, he's, he's oh. one of these guys who can take it as well. Um, but as a supporter, who really cares? Well, who cares about what sort of hairstyle exactly. he's yeah. got? He can play. Um, he's probably getting to the, the, wrong, the wrong time of his career now. Uh, you know, he's not going to play every game, I don't think. He's not going to play 90 minutes, but he's integral to Dundee Football Club because they don't have another player like him that can can take the ball in and is creative. They've got they've got good young players coming through like Max Anderson and Josh Mulligan who are, are good runners with the ball. But McGowan holds the ball up and sees things that other players mm. don't see at this point in time. You know, so yeah, I can see him being being a big part of that. Um, he still looks fit. He still looks hungry. I think the new manager will give him a bit of impetus as it will to a lot of the players at the club. A, a new face coming in with new, new ideas. Um, and he's hungry, Paul McGowan. You know, he, yeah, he, he's, he's a guy. He, you know, he'd be desperate to get that club back up to to the top mm. flight. He's in his ninth season at the club. I'm sure he'd like to spend his testimonial year uh, at the club. Uh, is there? You know, um, in the Premiership. So, um, yeah, he's still got, still certainly got something to offer Dundee Football Club. But uh, um, like I say, you know, I, I, I do feel that he's one they're going to have to use sparingly. Um, and if that mm. is the case, they need someone else of that ilk. And at this point in time, Sean Byrne, Jordan McGee, not really, not for me. They need somebody else that's got that sort of bit of savvy that in the final yeah. third that can, can play that, those killing passes and keep the ball in, in, in tight situations. So, yeah, now good on him. He's given us all a, a bit of fun this week. Yeah. And he's, he's very much... Uh, a big part of the dressing room as well. He's he's, he's a joker and, and likes to yeah, take yeah, the nick out his team. Well, he's, well, he's a, he's, he's a joker well. to a point. Uh, yeah, but he, he'll not let anyone drop their standards. Exactly. I think yeah. that's 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 a good thing. I mean, there's very few people at Dens, if any, haven't felt the wrath of, of Paul McGowan. You know, <laughs> and I've seen Paul McGowan being it's it's you know error erring in sort of goals and situations. And he still managed to point the finger at a half a dozen other people <laughs> at, the same, at the same time. But you need that. Yeah. You know, I think he's first to, first to praise guys as well. You know, and I think there are quite a few young players coming through at Dens Park and they'll look up to him and they'll look for a bit of guidance from him. And, uh, 
Yeah, we could do it with a few more like him at Dens. He's also magnificent in his post-match quotes. So I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I know I'm looking at George thinking he's he's clearly willing Paul McGowan to be in the first team so that he can get more of those uh, spicy post-match interviews. I've never Ramp. seen so much use of uh, asterisks after uh, Dundee United <laughs> suffer, a, suffer a poor defeat. So he would be, if he wasn't to be in the Dundee team, I know he would be uh, missed by, by George. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> there was actually one, the big one down at Ayr, um, I actually accidentally left in the swear words <laughs> off, and off. it actually it, I think it improved the online numbers for the story because people yeah, never, you left them in George it did not make it to print <laughs> well taken out before that um, but no yeah. we, we hope to see a lot of uh, Paul McGowan in the, the new season um, one thing we won't see at end until the league starts is fans in the, the main stand and the south enclosure there yeah it's uh an interesting one um yeah i, I don't know what people are getting their knickers in a twist for george to be uh, yeah honest. i know I mean, i'm kind I, of the I'm, same I'm, I'm easy on although the stand that i sit and i think is going to be open the bobby yeah, Cox. Bobby Cox, yeah, yeah i mean so that's it's easy probably will go well it's easy for you to say that you're getting to yeah. sit where you normally sit but i've got to say for for the numbers we're, we're talking um yeah why not just open one stand and then you know take it from there. I mean, sure, surely the, the stewarding costs and that, why do that when you, you're only going to get under 5,000 at games? I think the concern is that they might look at it and then suddenly go, well, do we really need to open the South Enclosure at all now? And I think that would be a mistake. I think so. I think that, it was the, yeah. the southeast section. Absolutely, that been, absolutely. That and and that, that's probably an issue, you know, where they've just got that going and I think it's, yeah. been, it's been really good. That's really encouraging. Every other club seems to have it and Dundee didn't have it, but now they do have a bunch of young fans who are drumming up a bit of noise. And I think you need that at games because, you know, especially at, at away games, you tend to get a bit of support, Alan. You, so support yeah. gets right behind. But at home games, it can be really flat at times. Mm. And I think that you've seen that, you know, other clubs that have got their own, own wee band of supporters. And obviously, you've got to have the drummer as well, beating the drum. And, and it needs that. And it gets people going. And Dundee had that going. So I'm sure, you know, it is just going to be for, for the early part of the season. But, you know, I wouldn't get too concerned about it. Let's be honest, for the last two years almost before this, There's no the last season, yeah. we were, there was no fans. And then when we got back in, we were all spaced out. The start of last season, they went to Dundee against St Myrne. We weren't, in the, weren't allowed, uh, I couldn't get a ticket for the Bobby Cox. And I, I don't know if there was anybody in the South Enclosure. Actually. I think it was just the two stands behind the goals. I can't actually remember. I, I, think I ended, right, I ended yeah. up in the Bob Shankly stand. So at least we're getting into sea games, you know, and I would, I would, I would say to people just, just calm down a wee bit. It's only the pre-season stuff in, in, in the league cup games. They're also not the first team to ever make no. a, a decision like no. that. That's where you know there's plenty of clubs who, particularly for pre-season games or uh, if numbers aren't what be expected, you make a judgment call that perhaps save you a few pennies while not being too disruptive at this time of the season. Mm. So it's not as if Dundee have broken the mold in making this decision either, but. As, as the guys have, have rightly said, I guess the fear would be that that was to carry on longer. But there's been no indication of that, so there's no point freaking out about something that is yet to be even a realistic prospect. I think, I yeah. think the, the, the sad thing for Dundee this season is that there aren't many clubs who are going to bring huge away supports yeah. to Dens Park this season. You know, so and a lot of them will, will be housed in the main stand. So you're, more often than not, you'll, I would imagine the Bob Shankly stand will be closed. I mean, Queen's Park, Cove Rangers... And you've lost them, Fernland. Yeah. So they, they would have been one of the biggest uh, ones. Absolutely. So, yeah, and that's disappointing because if you're one of those young lads in that in that section, 
you know, and you're trying to... We're in that section for a reason as well, because it's the yeah. closest to the away fans. Yeah, <laughs> and there isn't going to be any away fans, so who are, you actually, who are you actually shouting at and taunting and things like that, you know? So, um, yeah, well, it's just up to Dundee to get himself out of that league and back in where the big boys are again. Yeah, well, exactly. But I think they'd been looking at similar... The last time they'd come down, I think that they had similar frictions. They played Blackpool and they played mm -hmm. a couple of... Uh, I think it was Peterhead and Inverness, and the biggest attendance was two thousand four hundred. Yeah. So, and you you could fit all that in one of the end stands, I think. Um, so it seems like a sensible decision. I get why people might be unhappy. I I if if I had the choice, I'd always want to be sit, sitting looking side on on the pitch. I don't mm -hmm. like sitting at the end, but well, behind the behind the goal, behind the goals, I. So, man, you, I mean, I, I mean. When I was a young lad, I used to go in the South Enclosure and, and, and watch it there. But when, when they built the new stands, you know, everybody saw it. Not everybody, but a big swathe of fans went, well, this is great, you know, brand new seat and everything like yeah. that. You know, we're in, we're in there. And yeah, it took a bit of getting used to it, but it's amazing how quickly you're doing. To be fair, I'm actually quite high up in the, in the, in the Bobby Cox stand, so you actually get a bit of perspective. I think if you're lower down and you're behind the goal That's tough. and the ball's it's going across the other end, the other end you've no, you're shouting at somebody for missing a, a chance. You think they're only two yards out, but they're actually about 25 yards out when they've swiped it and it's going through their legs, you know. So, um, yeah, just, it's just something they're, they're going to have to put up with through, through pre-season and, and I'm sure we'll be back in there singing and, uh, when the league season starts. I'll maybe ask a question of George here that will maybe lead on to something else we're going to talk about, but do you think the reaction to this um, has perhaps been exacerbated because of lingering disillusionment with the, the, the running of the club that perhaps dates back? You know, Perhaps a, a reaction is more severe because you're thinking, oh, not another thing. You know, as uh, I do wonder if everything had previously been sweetness and light between the people that run the club mm. and the, all the supporters, does this even become much of a story? Quite possibly not. I, I think there's certainly part of it. The beginning to the, the southeast section came about because there was a bit of apathy, I think, around the stadium and, and they wanted to generate a bit of atmosphere and they, they, they've been brilliant, to be honest. Um, can I just say, I think quite a lot of them actually go to the Wii games as well. I do, I've yeah. seen, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I go with uh, the Rabbi D, Dark Blues, I'm a member there, and we've seen a dozen, maybe two dozen, you know, new faces, young lads coming on, the, and they're all, they're all great, great mm -hmm. lads, but I think they must be part of that actual yeah. group who are saying, here, we're going to the home games, but, you know, the Wii games are quite good as well, so let's, yeah. let's get involved in that as well, you know. I, th I think part of it is maybe because they've just started up at the end of last season yeah. properly, and then they just feel like they're getting their getting going, Wings and then suddenly it's it's been taken away from I them. I think aye, maybe maybe a wee bit of communication to say it was coming. I, I don't know. Either way, um, I'm not sure it was the best idea to to stick it on social media from from the young lads rather than actually getting in touch with the club uh, to ask what the why it happened. But they'll learn. And then t talking about. Dundee fans, as, as Alan's just alluded to, there's been a bit movement on the open letter group front. Obviously, that made a lot of waves at the end of last season when it, when things were really bad on the pitch and, and fans weren't turning up to the, the Rangers game in particular in the Scottish Cup. Um, and it feels maybe like now that the new season's on the horizon, people have started to kind of forget that sort of stuff it's maybe because it's summer 
I don't know, but I think it's a, it's a big move for, for a few of the guys that were behind that open letter have now joined forces with D for Life, which also known as the Support Society, who obviously a big, big part of Dundee's history in, in, in this century uh, saved the club uh, from liquidation uh, and still holds shares and, and rights over vetoes and stuff like that. It's really important. Uh, I I think for, for a Dundee fan base to have a strong organisation like D for Life, I'm not, not, I don't know too much about D for Life, but I, from what I've heard, they've not been as strong as, as, as they could be. Hopefully this might just give them a a boost with a bit of fresh blood, as they, as D for Life called it, and heading in, joining the board are, are Rosty, Grant Hill, uh, Ryan Norrie, Grant McGregor. I'm trying to read my writing here and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to George McCurvin. I got there in the end. Obviously, I've not met George in the previous. I, I have met and spoke to a few of those boys and they really have their heads screwed on and I think they'll they'll bring a lot to the, the table. But, Bear, obviously, you've been around through all the, mm -hmm. the bad times at, at Dundee. The support society were, were huge, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, well, George, the, the fans saved the club. Yeah. The second time they went in administration, I mean... Um, Obviously, we like to feel we did our own bit of the telly with the Save the D campaign, which Tom Dutty, you know, we got signatures people to send in and, you know, and we took them through to, to Hamden Park and the guy at the door took them and Tom walked up the steps and we got good pictures and Tom handed in the, the I, don't, I think it was about 10,000 signatures or something like that, mm -hmm. Save the D, handed it over. Boy said thanks very much and threw them in the bin inside of the door. No, he didn't really do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, but it was the fans. It was the fans who were putting money in buckets when they were really... You know, they were, they were talking about closing it the second time they went in administration. You know, it was just about game up the poly as far as Dundee were concerned. And, you know, that should never, ever be forgotten. But at the same time, you know, I mean, as a supporter, I was always of the opinion that, you know, you can't have fans actually running the club full hmm. time. You can, if you, but you've got to have a, a hierarchy who make the decisions. Yeah. You know, somebody has to make those day-to-day -day decisions that are, are vital for a club to function properly. So they can't be going back to fans groups every time there's an issue and saying, right, we'll have a vote on this. And there's 16 organisations have to have, a, somebody's got to take control. And we've got that with Americans now mm. in charge. And and to be fair, as I've always said, you know, while they've been there, there have been very little issues as far as I'm concerned in terms of players being paid wages and in terms of bills getting paid. So from where we've been, um, in the past to where we are now it's, it's like night and day but the fans obviously should never ever be forgotten at any club but more so at Dundee I think given where they were sort of you know 10-15 years ago and, and beyond that going back 20 years to the first first spell of administration um, so yeah but I think it's good that the, 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 they are coming together we should have got our friend of the podcast Paddy Barclay on to yeah. explain what, what exactly is going on um, we'll get him back though right? yeah and, but it's good to see they're, they're coming more more so coming together and uh, give them more of a voice as well you know I think I think the club are aware there are various fans groups out there mm. and some as you as you rightly said you still have the power of veto over certain things so it would be good for the club to, to acknowledge that that but if the fans group could get their act together and so that we've got, we do get to a point where you do have a, the head of the fans groups actually dealing with the club 
you know, so the, the club aren't saying something to one group and then they've got to see another group and yeah. another group. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's a move in the right direction. And, you know, where the club are at this point in time in, in the championship, I think it's important the fans and, and, and the, the people in the boardroom are all moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. The last thing you need is any sort of, you know, there will, there will be issues, but nothing major that's going to, you know, spill over into the, you know, onto the terraces and affect the team. The last thing you need are, are we're starting the season and suddenly the fans are, are turning, the, you know, yeah, their exactly. anger towards the, the stands where the borders sit. You know, we, we don't need that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good move. I think um, the, the, they've been very uh, quick to stress that they want to work with John Nelms and Tim Keyes, the owners, uh, Dens Park. Whether John Nelms will listen, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the the phrase they, they keep using is trying to be a critical friend. Um, and f- f- probably for every club in Scotland, it's important that the viewpoint of fans actually gets heard by people making the decisions, does it not? Yeah, I was just going to come at this from the perspective, obviously, from across the road. And you look at the splendid work that the Dundee United Supporters Foundation has done. You know, they've now got thousands of members and through respectful, professional dialogue, as well as also putting their money where their, their mouth is, um, they have a really good relationship with the football club. They are able to, um, when the situation requires it, they're able to have contact with Mark Ogren, Tony Asker, and represent their members in a, and I'm saying members, you know, making it sound so business, that they're able to represent supporters of Dundee United um, at the top table. And if they're, you know, things are, are relatively stable at the moment, but if things were to become more unstable, they can put criticisms across. They can uh, represent the, the, the fears and concerns of supporters. And so through the good times, through the bad times, there is a line of dialogue there, which is absolutely vital, especially if you have owners that, you know, perhaps aren't there all the time, American owners, things like that. So yeah, it's vital across Scottish football. And I think whether Dundee fans want to hear it or not, I think there's a good example of how a strong, united fans group that is pulling in one direction um, can work across the road. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll have the word united in, in any titles or anything like that, but <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, so hopefully, yeah, um, it does feel like off, off the field the club are putting things in place that move them forward. Very much hope they can get some fan representation on the board, which um, all clubs, in my opinion, should have. So we'll see how, how that goes down the line. Um, back to on-the-pitch matters, although we're not yet on the pitch, but uh, it looks like Dundee goalie Adam Legstons will be back. Um, he's had a... what His season ended earlier than, much earlier than they expected last season when he had a knee injury. And it just wouldn't settle down. Uh, I spoke to him last week at the, when Dundee were unveiling their new kit. Um, and he made it clear they wanted to kind of cl- clear the air about his injury last, last season because there was a lot of uh, confusion over what was what was up with him when he'd be back. Mark McGee at one point said he, was, he might be back for a game next week and uh, that didn't happen. So... Um, Adam Lysons is an extremely nice guy and this felt like a bit of a hammering for Martin McGee, although he might not have read that way, but he was he wanted to make it clear that um, he'd tried everything to get back, but he uh, 
mixed messages did not help. You no, I mean, I, I read your, your piece, George. I was surprised because Adam Legson is very rarely criticizes yeah. anyone at the club. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm unsure if it was worth it as a dig as such at Mark McGee. Maybe Mark McGee was, at that point, Mark McGee was trying to be positive about absolutely anything that, mm. anything he could grasp onto at Dense Park with some of that with some of the statements he was making so, yeah I think I think people were asking yeah. Adam about what was going on and yeah. they, they were thinking they'd fallen out with people and yeah. things like that so yeah but it's, but I think he was as I say he, he was maybe maybe knew within his, his his own mind that Adam wouldn't have been fit but he just wanted to put, rather than that being a negative, and that's yeah, yeah. the way his mind was thinking at the time. Rather than saying I mean, he's not yeah, going to yeah. be back, he's not going to be back this season. That's him. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, well, hopefully we can maybe get get him back. So he's, you know, he's trying to keep that positivity running. You know, just trying to get something. Unfortunately, it didn't work for Matt McGee. Obviously, it didn't impress Adam Livingston too much. He must have been <laughs> sitting there going, "What's he talking about? I'm yeah. never going to be fit." You know. Um, but other side of the coin is good to see him back. I think he was a big part of doing this promotion push. I think he came in and studied the ship after after Jack Hamilton, who I thought was a decent keeper, but always had an error every half a dozen games, unfortunately, mm. which was derailed any good work he did. Adam came in and was really steady. Um, so we, we missed him, uh, you know, last season. He's a big season. personality as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, so it, it's good to see good to see him back. And I've seen the, the, the pictures I speak of them training, um, a few others as well, Silly and Sheridan. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he, uh, an Achilles injury is a, is a serious, serious injury, yeah. if he can get himself, one, hopefully the Achilles stands up, two, can he get any sort of where near match fitness? Because mm. he's been out for such a long time. Um, uh, Gary Boyer, I'll certainly hope so. Um, one person that was, uh, Dundee unveiled their, their kits, obviously one thing I was, I was delighted to see was they put Ryan Sweeney in one of those kits. Because yeah. that suggests to me that he might actually still be there next season. Mm. I know he's under contract, but we've seen this in the past where, you know, Sweeney... An offer Sweeney, comes in, yeah. An offer comes in and, it, you know, Sweeney says to his agent, I want to go back down the road. But the way he was speaking to you, yeah, he seemed to me as though he's up for it. So although it's early days, you know, I think if they get Sweeney and they've got a fit Ashcroft in there, mm -hmm. as, as we all hope, you know, that's a, that's a massive, massive... With a goalkeeper as well, that's, that's a big, big plus for Dundee, a big yeah. platform for them to build on for, for next season. Uh, actually, those two and Kamiker have been, they're kind of maybe the some of the senior ones now in that, in that squad. They they were up at Gardine at the new training centre uh, before any of the other players setting stuff up and, mm -hmm. and speak to John Nelms and, and people around the place to get things ready properly for the for the players. So that's, I think it's well, a good sign. That builds bonding as well yeah. within, within this. That shows that there is, there is a spirit within there. You know, that, that there's, there's a feeling, you get the feeling coming out that you know, they're really disappointed they didn't they didn't keep themselves in that top flight, but they're going to put it right this season. Yeah. You know, and I think they're still fresh in the memory, as you, you pointed out earlier on in the podcast, it's only 12 months ago that they were promoted. So it's still a, a fresh in the memory how good a feeling that was. Yeah. But then the, and a, a realisation how tough it can be in the championship as well. Like, nobody's going to pull the wheel over their eyes. You're not going to get teams like Cove and, and Queen's Park coming to Dens and lying flat on their backs and going, and you just you take the three points. That's not that never happens in the, in the championship, and there's one or two other good teams in there as well. Park Thistle, Wraith Rovers, you know, um, Inverness, mm. you know. So, it, if they're going to get out of that championship, they're going to have to work for it. But there's players who have done it in the past, and if you've done something in the past, you know it's it's in your locker. You know, it's 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 like a golfer. You know, I'm an amateur golfer, and I I can shoot a hundred on a bad day, 
but I've, on occasion I've shot an 80. <laughs> if you know that's in there, yeah. you know it's, you can do it and you've just got to get back to that sort of level of, mm. of, of playing. And it's, same, it's the same with football. If you've done it in the past, you know you can do it again. So it's, it's good. And it's good that the, the players are all mucking in as well. It's a, it's a good sign. D definitely. And just to finish up, the news broke last night. Obviously, Dave Mackay's moved on from Dens Park. He was assistant manager of the James McPeak and continued that under Mark McGee. He's joined uh, James McPeak at Dunfermline, a club you know you know well, Alan. How do you see those two doing uh, with the club in the league? Obviously a big club in, in League One. I think it's a real positive that James has got his own man in. I think that's, if you speak to any manager, uh, I think if at all possible, they would like to have their own number two. That is a that's a, a go-to in the dressing room. It's a different voice. It's a confidant, you know, more than anything. And James will be delighted to get Dave in because, you know, they've worked together to great success in the past. And, you know, Dave's a, a very well-respected coach in his own right. And I think that's another real boost for, for Dunfermline as they, you know, gradually build things. Made a couple of good signings there, Benedictus, Chris Hamilton. You know, there's, there's reasons to be positive there. And... I think it's probably a good move for for Davis well isn't it you know it's he was obviously contracted until the the end of the season at Dundee but when when James left he was you know you wonder if he had the the, the same influence or mm. um kind of expected to be part of things going forward when, when Mark McGee came in and then you have Gary Boyer who comes in with with his own ideas with his own plans about the way to go forward and and his own assistant as well that's just yeah, the way it goes exactly it? and you know you've got a different role for Gordon Strachan in there as well you know things change things move on and um if it, the role for for Dave perhaps wasn't what he had become accustomed to then move on, go for a new challenge and hopefully go to a club like Dunfermline and perhaps play a part in another promotion. I think this is a, um, accentuating the positive. I think this is something that works out for absolutely fine for, for all parties involved. I do wish them the best and hopefully they do get promotion, but maybe second place behind Queen of the South. <laughs> but that may be wishful thinking on my part. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening uh, and we'll see you again next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>